All right, welcome to episode five of Pass the Mic. Joining me again here, Mike Gervasi. Welcome. Yo, yo, yo. Um, big, again, it seems like two weeks in a row now we're starting with big congratulations uh, to your, you said there's been a long series of years here for sports fans. Well, half the population in this state are pretty darn happy now. You're Michigan Wolverines. Uh, I would say not as shocking as last week. I, no, somewhat anticlimactic. Iowa certainly wasn't up to the challenge, and it was, you know the game certainly lacked that intensity. But it was a great game. It was a great win, you know. And um, I, I, you know, we didn't go over this in the itinerary before, but and most of this is unscripted anyway. But you know, it was pretty cool how they dedicated it to the Oxford victims, specifically the one. And then Dan Campbell did the same thing with the Lions game the other day. That was very touching. Yeah, it was actually a pretty for for how long it's been for this area for sports. It actually was a pretty good weekend, including in the Lions game. Not to steal the thunder of uh, Michigan, but the Lions gave the reaction from Dan Miller, the radio play-by-play guy, and the team and the play. It was almost like it was like an NFC Championship game or something to that level. Yeah, and I didn't know this. You know, Campbell picked up the the owner and. Uh... Not senior, not, not correct. Not yes. senior, Miss Ford. So not Sheila. Yeah, wait, Martha. No, Sheila. Martha. Yeah, right, Martha right. Firestone Ford. Yes, for our little auto history, uh, because the Firestones and the Fords. Uh. So I won't use the dirty dancing one that has been stolen a bunch of times. And I will say for Michigan fans out there in honor of this, when when uh, Elvis Gerback picked up Desmond Howard after the, the the play, the touchdown pass against well, Notre Dame. Celebrations all around. We also did get some feedback on Friday night, actually. As I was sitting on the couch, someone texted me, and I'm not going to, you know, not violate any confidentiality. Someone texted me a screenshot of watching Just Friends, um, and I said, "Well, you know, enjoy. Hopefully, you like it." And the, the text I got at the end of the movie was, "It wasn't bad." The always, That's right? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, and then I did end up. Um, I, one of the things, and I wanted to plug. I forgot to mention my uh, part of the, and I texted. I texted this person that part of my underrated for that film was. Personally, I'm a pretty big fan of Amy Smart, a pretty cute actress who ended up marrying a guy from Traverse City. Really? Uh, yeah, he's like a – what was that old show on TLC where they fixed the houses up or whatever? I guess, you know, that's – that's uh, they were a Traverse – I did a little researching. Uh, interesting. As, as, uh, you know, as librarians often do, interesting stuff. So Yeah. Um, so, they, yeah, you know, if, and again, we had someone else that reached out about claiming Die Hard was – you know, agreeing with us that Die Hard is a Christmas music uh, – Christmas movie, I'm sorry, and getting ahead of myself with today's episode. Um, but, you know, we always appreciate feedback or texts or messages on the Facebook page. I don't know if you caught this today at our, at our you know, professional development, Coach Kelly Warren – Said he doesn't believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Well, you know what? That knocks him down a ranking. I mean, there goes his Allen Park Hall of Fame. I've always equated him to Matt Patricia, the Matt Patricia of coaches. So, <laughs> okay, education segment this week. Our question that we're going to pose to each other here: I want to know how the uh, teaching profession has both become easier since your start, and what. And you can maybe tell us what you know. You go go back and let us know how many years you have in when you start. How it's become easier, and how it has become more difficult. And we're going to try to keep this theme on the show of always ending on the positive note. So let's start off with how has education, how has teaching become more difficult for you? And again, when did when was your first year full time? First year full time unofficially, so I suppose it's somewhat of a contradiction. Was oh three oh four? I came here right around Halloween in oh three. Okay, all right, and so. That's quite, you know, it's been a, a run, so it hasn't oh, been yeah. like you've been teaching three or four years. So what has become more difficult for you in this profession? I think the technology, and, and spoiler alert, it's going to kind of cross over into both sectors. The technology has made things a lot more difficult in certain areas. For instance, I've mentioned this before on this show, 
you know, there's nothing I can offer them that's going to be more interesting than what's in their phone. That's the challenge constantly. And, you know, I hate to be the get off my lawn guy and I sound like that, but phones are certainly a challenge. Um, Every new piece of technology, you know, we, we get inundated and, you know, I kind of took a shot at coach Kelly Warren there. We have two wonderful coaches here, Trisha Boucher being the other, and we get a lot of stuff from them, but it, it can become overwhelming. All the new technologies that come out seemingly, you know, by the week and we're, we're, you know, throwing all this stuff and we have to make a decision. What are we going to learn? I've kind of made a mental, you know, uh, goal of each of these things, just implementing one thing every once in a while and, and seeing how it works. But I think the technology has become a challenge in so many ways and keeping up with, uh, you know, the, the kids and their, their entertainment needs, you know, it makes it very difficult. So I'm going to say technology is the most difficult part of teaching at this point. And I think you, you know, and you bring up a good point. We have a great technology director too in uh, Trent Begeman, who is always helpful with us here. And I think what happens too is um, you can become almost over dependent on it and it can mess up a whole day of plans. Yeah. You know, we lost, you know, and no fault of anybody. There's like a power surge right. here earlier this week. And then all of a sudden you're down the attendance and you had maybe the greatest thing planned and you're sort of throwing a curveball. It does get overwhelming. It seems like you're introduced to something, you use it a little bit, and then all of a sudden that's gone and you um, have to find something else. You know, it, um, it goes, you know, it's, it, it's a double-edged sword to use, you know, I hate to, it seems like we always are throwing cliches yeah. out around here, but it, I could definitely see where that answer is um, bringing that up. Um, for me, for the more, the more difficult, and I think it goes back to something you said last week with your law change, is just, um, and I started um, full-time fall of 98, and I started in the English classroom, um, but in the, what's changed over the years, and part of it ties into what you talked about last week with sort of just this being one thing after another thrown onto your plate, one thing that's become hard, I think back in the early days, and, and when you were in the classroom, I think you had a little more, and I don't think it will feel anyone feels like they're restricted in what they can do in their classroom, but I think you had a little more freedom to do your own thing. Um, and, I'll, and I'm just using English as an example. You know, there were sort of the state benchmarks and guidelines, and as long as we hit what those benchmarks mm-hmm. and guidelines were, if I had it in my English 11 class and I knew that I could hit those, it didn't matter what you were doing in your English right. 11 class. And I had the freedom to, you know, change this novel out or do this or that and make things a little more my own. That has sort of tightened up in recent years yeah. um, because, you know, they want a common, they want common exam so that if, I, if you're in my English 11, the same exam that I'm taking there right. is the same as yours. And I understand, I understand why it's there, um, and I understand the purpose for it. But I just feel like something that's become a little more – there was a lot more freedom in the early 2000s. Um, really before like the testing became the um, ACT, SAT, I think, um, you would still teach to the benchmarks and you'd still try to get stuff done, but I think you just had a lot more freedom. The benchmarks were so broad. Yes. You could do a lot with that. Yep, and, I, and that's something that's become more difficult. Um, on the easier end, and I'm going to tie it, mine does tie into technology a little bit, but I'm, as a librarian now, I'm going to say access to information, access to information. When I first started in the library or even back in the classroom, most of the nonfiction research information was um, I would there you buy no joke a set of world book encyclopedias which would run about fifteen seventeen hundred dollars that were out of date the minute you open up the box nonfiction series or books that you put on the shelves and then you would rely on the internet but then again that's back when we were first teaching like Wikipedia this is an inaccurate source there weren't a lot of accurate mm-hmm. sources what has changed now and what and what really happened when I started my degree at Wayne State is the um, appearance of databases, um, verified educational databases 
both at the at the college level, that's like all there is now. Like that, you you start your college uh, program, they give you your online, your app, you know, your online login, and you have access to the world. I mean, at Wayne State, I, I was a library science master student, but I had access to every database there. Whether you were a law student, a medical student, and it was overwhelming. I mean, you had the wor- you literally had the world at your fingertips without even having to step into the library. I, I think what's interesting about that, though, technology has expanded so much that even that even the, the scholarly databases are under they're challenged by certain elements in our society as being somewhat fake as well because there's just so much out there. That's true, and then, and that's why you and not to you know put my, pat my own profession on the back, and that's why really librarians are still around. It's not about finding a dusty book off the shelf. It's about directing students and individuals of all levels to find information. You know that that I always say that's my drive. I mean, I have my own personal biases and thoughts on things. But if a student comes in and wants information, my job is to provide, find, direct them to information that is factual, non-biased, and can help them get to whatever they need done. And I think that is much easier now. And as you know, we do subscribe to a couple databases here. The Michigan Electronic Library, which is free to all uh, Michigan taxpayers, has some great databases. You use the ones that we subscribe yeah, to with your classes. And those Gale databases are, I mean, they're not, it's factual information. Yeah. I don't know how anyone could say, you know, there's biased information in there. And that's definitely a benefit for both educators but also students nowadays. The old, the old days of having to go yeah, through the right. stacks or make bib cards or note cards on these old. And, again, that information was outdated the minute it was shipped off the uh, printing press. Yeah. And we don't have to worry about that nowadays. Yeah, well put. And so I will also say technology has made our lives easier. You know, I was reflecting as I was thinking about this question. When we, I don't know if you remember this, I'm sure you do, when we did attendance, you know, we had that bubble sheet, yep. we had the bubble in the attendance, and somebody would come around every hour and pick it up, yep. you know, or at the end of the day, somebody would get, pick up all six of them. You know, that was a start. Grades went into a grade book. You know, that, that you were had to protect because at the end of the semester, right around this time of year, we'd be told, you know, lock them down mm-hmm. because someone could come steal your grade yes. book, flush it down the toilet. And all. You, now, just to, when I first started, I'm like, I bought like a program because I, first of all, my handwriting's terrible. And like, I'm like, I'm getting something where I can put this all into, and this was still 98, 99. They had like, it was a floppy disk I stuck in yeah. and it was a grade program. And I used that uh, because I didn't want to risk, um, you know, a pen and paper. It's right. like an odd way of doing grades, but I know exactly what you're talking no, about. No, and I came in, you know, I can't, I don't know if you're, like I said, I came in around Halloween, so the teacher I took over for left me his grade book, and, you know, there was some controversy with some of the kids. Well, I did that assignment, and well, it's not in here. Why well, did it? And, you know, there's really no way of tracing back if said student did that or not. And then we had to, you had to get a calculator out and add up the grades at the end, and you know, divide by how many assignments. And, you know, you look back on that now, it was 2003. It feels like we could be talking about something that was from like 1975 or something like yeah, that. And you know? even even with that, after you did all the math and everything was written out, you then had a bubble sheet that you would have to yeah. go and hand bubble in. And I remember a few times I made mistakes, not on the grade book side, but on the bubble sheet, like because it, it all just becomes this long yes, list. Yes. And if you're not using like a ruler or a sheet of paper, you could right. physically – it's hard to physically put in a wrong grade nowadays. I mean, right. the computer does it. You can override it a little bit, but, I mean, the grade is the grade. Back then, if you were one kid down yeah. on one thing you're looking at and you gave – and all of a sudden I remember yeah. a kid came up to me. He's like, man, Mr. Peony, I got a D minus. I had a B plus. And I looked, and sure enough, I skipped a line, and I'm, I'm like, oh, my God. And yeah. so you had to physically go fill out a grade change form. But 
Nowadays, that's less likely to happen. But I remember those days, the old yeah. pencil. So, again, those technology things. And obviously, like the technology we have around us, so the tools like the scanners and the, you know, the, 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 you know, comparing the copy machines and the document centers and the stuff we have now compared to then is, I mean, the stuff they presented today where kids are able to share their Chromebook right. screen wirelessly right. with our boards, it's just amazing. Yeah. Almost like a futuristic world if you think of the world we grew up in and put our ment- mentally go back to that time and think about what we have now. Yeah, and I think the one, and not to you know pat ourselves on the back, but our generation, we were sort of, I remember when we came in, some of the teachers that were older than us that were working here had a real tough time with some of this stuff. Yeah. Yes, we, as, you know, we used some of these, you know, we were sort of the first rollout of, you know, having computers all the time and, you know, uh, being at, and when we went to college and not using a typewriter per se, but you know, you, getting online. So it wasn't as hard, as I think, for us to adjust to some of these as some of those. And now just about any teacher that comes through is going to be pretty much used to a lot of this stuff and be right. willing to try stuff. So yeah. so that's our um, easier. And uh, do you have anything you want to add on it? No, well Good. put, well okay. put. All right, excellent. Okay, it is overrated, underrated time. I know this is the highlight for a lot of people out there. Um, so we're going to continue with the holiday theme, and we are going to do Christmas carols. Last week, of course, was Christmas movies or TV shows. This week, we're going to do Christmas carols. We already had people asking about this one, right? You had some students in class. Hopefully yeah, this was well, and for me, I took songs, but yes. Yeah, yes. songs. Yeah, right, I mean right, songs. Right. I mean, it doesn't have to be a carol. I mean, we're not going to um, box anyone in here. So, again, as we're going to start overrated. So why don't you go ahead and give me your overrated Christmas carol slash song. Okay, to, to be clear, and you've said this, Ten times, I've said it nine times, and I don't know if our numbers are spot on, but pretty close. This does not mean that it's bad. And Mike and I do not generally talk about the episode very much. We set the the, the ground rules, and then we kind of go from there. But we did talk about this today, so I'm going to start the overrated and then kick it to you. We did talk about this today. My yeah, over- just before the show. Just, so not, right, yeah, right, right, we just happen to have the same pick. I just want to be fully transparent with we with the listener – um, my overrated song without question is Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas is You. It's a feel-good song. I don't dislike it, but I dislike hearing it a hundred times around this time of year, just like I talked about A Christmas Story. You can become over inundated with these songs over and over again, and I can almost guarantee if I turn on the radio when I leave here and drive for 20 minutes, I'm going to hear that song. So my overrated Christmas song is All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Mike? It is... It, become, it has become almost like the poster child of Christmas carols. It's like when it gets to be late, um, early November, people are like, you know, Mariah Carey's warming up and this and that. And it's like, and for even, and I guess, you know, all generations seem to know it. Young kids, you know, I don't want to, sure. my neighbor it, it loves Mariah Carey, so I'm probably going to offend him with my uh, overrated as well. Now, granted, this is, the song came out in 94. I did a little research on this. Yes. This is how we ended up talking about it. The song came out in 94. We're talking, that's Mariah Carey and her young prime. I believe she's still married to Tony Miola of Sony Records at the time. Um, and so it drew me to like say, okay, well, thinking of overrated, I'm going to go pull up the list of the top five Christmas songs in Billboard's mind. Bill, you know, Billboard's sort of like the Bible of music. Top right? five overrated. Top, no, top five music songs. Oh, music. Just oh, top, I'm sorry. Just the, I thought you said overrated. No, okay, no, it's fault, not even fault. an overrated okay. list. It's just their top five Christmas songs of all time. So that made me say, okay, the overrated song should probably come from this list because yeah. it's rated Absolutely. the top five. Okay, so gotcha. I'm going to give you the top five from Billboard. Five back. I'm going to do my best Casey Kasem here. All right. All right. Or nowadays it's Carson Daly or... Oh, no, not Bison Daly. Carson Daly. Bison Daly. Oh, my God. All right. Rest in peace. Yes. Number five, um, Holly Jolly Christmas, Burl Ives. No problem with that. Great tune. Um, 
from the Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer movie. Number four, the Christmas song, Nat King Cole, a classic. This, by the way, was my runner-up on my underrated, which is in the top five, so maybe I shouldn't have used it, but it's not. It's a classic song, Nat King Cole, great voice. Jingle Bell Rock, number three by Bobby Helms. Number two, Rockin' Around the Christmas Tree by Brenda Lee. And what do you know, uh, number one on the Billboard all-time great Christmas songs, which, again, that is over. It should not. Those four below it are all better Christmas songs than um, All I Want for Christmas with You. I'm not going to get into t- separating the numbers, but that right there, I can just look at that list and say, okay, two, three, four, and five are all better as a Christmas song than that. I'm sorry, Mariah. Again, I, do I think it's awful? No, it's, it's, it's catchy. Right. It's a right. good tune. It should not be the number one song on Billboard's Christmas Carol list. It, 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 I get it. It's in Mean Girls, right? It's fun. It's, it, it's fun. It, it's fun and, and, right. and, and it's cute and it's right. like romantic too. I, I just, again, I think it fits what we're talking about when we say overrated. Um, hits that spot exactly. Yes. So, all right. To end on a positive, I'm going to want me to do my. I'll do my underrated. Yeah, go ahead. So my underrated, the artist appeared in that top five, and I played it to kick off the announcements yesterday. Burl Ives, Silver and Gold. Uh, my kids hate it when I play it. Um, I love it. It's it. I don't. I think it only mentions Christmas once. Um, you know, silver and gold decorations. Um, it's from the same. The Rudolph Red Nosed Reindeer. Burl Ives is a, a you know. Gr- uh, was a great actor and uh, obviously singer. I love the song. Back years ago, we had a. I used to. I was. In a, I'd be singing it all the time, and uh, Ryan Holder always would catch me singing it, and he would laugh and joke about how I'm always singing. I, I don't know. I mean, it's just an easy song. I, I, the Burl Ives has a great voice, and I, I, you don't hear it much. You hear his Holly Jolly Christmas all the time. That's, mm-hmm. That seems to be his right. big Christmas hit. It's in the top five, that, so it's properly rated, I guess. But Silver and Gold, underrated, doesn't get the play and the publicity it should get. Burl Ives, definitely, that should be in the top ten. I didn't, it, I didn't see it in the top ten. I'm not going to pull up the whole list here, but that's my underrated. Well done. For me, you know, I, uh, it, it took me a, a little bit to think of this, but then I, you know, Run DMC and Jam, Jam Master J, Jam Master J, may he too rest in peace, uh, did a Christmas in Hollis, Queens. And, you know, you don't think of rap artists uh, really doing Christmas songs. I think it's just an amazing song. Also a feel-good song. A neat story behind the song. When you listen to it, it ends so well. So, and, you know, it, but one, I think it was actually Jam Master J in the video wore a Portland Trailblazer starter jacket. Really neat. Not the, not the big ones, but the, the smaller jackets. The satin? Yeah. Like the satin yes, finish. Yes. Yeah, okay. Just a, such a good song. I believe it was Jam Master J. I, I could get corrected on this, I'm sure. Some of my buddies on TechStrad probably will. But, you know, just a wonderful, wonderful song. Again, like I said, it always makes me feel good. I love Run DMC's Christmas and Hollis. And the students, when I play it, have never heard of it. And usually I get, you know scowls and frowns at first and then when they listen to the whole song they, they tend to like it so i'm going with run dmc i think that fits the underrated perfectly again you don't hear it you i mean you don't see it that often and um it is a good it is a good song i, I did see again i i didn't want to print up the whole list because it, it wasn't in a printable format so i'd been stuck with like 30 pages to get through 100 but i did remember i do remember seeing that somewhere in the top 100 okay. uh on that billboard list but again i think it fits the uh topic perfectly we'd love to hear again as always as always with our over <laughs> my kids when they talk about the podcast you know the, the nate blunt honest nate's like he's like all i want to hear is the overrated underrated <laughs> he's like I, and of course i mean why would a freshman in high school care about what my thoughts are and what the hard, what's harder about teaching right. Right. but he goes that's what all my friends want to hear about the overrated underrated it seems to get the most uh user uh listener input so if we would love to hear what you know if where you think uh 
what you think about our picks. Maybe you have something different that, that you rank higher or lower and you think is overrated or underrated. But those are our, our pairing for this week. Um, Hope you uh, you know enjoyed. Hope you uh, you know listening. I don't even know what's what station is now. All Christmas music is it is it still one hundred point three? One hundred point three for sure. Yes. Okay, they still do that. And they um, do it like seemingly. I, I could be wrong on this, and maybe Alan Aldman won't correct me if I'm wrong. Will correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm not even sure he's still. Alive. He rests in peace. But <laughs> we have a, a th- history of dropping a lot of dead people. Yes, on we do. But uh, you know, I I it seems like it's right after Halloween. So like November hits, and I think 100.3 goes Christmas. Okay, probably kicking off with Mariah Carey of all things. Yeah, so I'm sure. All right, it is hot mic time, and um, you know, uh, it is time for us to go give our hot mic topics. Uh, why don't you kick us off this week? We both I think we both have one. So fire away. Yeah. So we talked about this last week about treating people a certain way. And, you know, I I don't know if this is almost too serious of a hot mic topic. I took a little bit of a speech from John F. Kennedy. Um, he gave a speech not long before he was assassinated. And I, I just want to read a part of the speech and then explain it my hot mic topic. What kind of a peace do we seek? I am talking about genuine peace, the kind of peace that makes life unworth li- worth living, not merely peace in our time, but peace in all time. Our problems are man-made, therefore they can be solved by man. For in the final analysis, our most basic common link is that we all inhabit this small planet, we all breathe the same air, we all cherish our children's future, and we are all mortal. Um, like I said, he gave that speech at American University, June of 1963. And what's interesting is he was kind of reaching out to the Soviets. We are in the middle of the Cold War there. And I feel like we need to hear that speech here in the United States right now um, to kind of... It's crazy to think about, but internal divisions and things like that. So just on a broader level, not vilifying people that don't agree with you on a more micro level, thinking about how we treat our fellow man around Christmas time, uh, whether you're shopping at the mall, whether you're at a restaurant, as you talked about last week. You know, I, I think if you start from the premise that we all, you know, we all cherish our children's future, we're all mortal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I think it can go a long way, especially you know, we've, we've dealt with some things here recently that are, are pretty difficult for anybody, let alone, you know, our kids. And so I wanted to leave with those words today. It just it struck me last week as you were talking about that. And this was the immediate speech I thought of, and I thought I would leave with this as my hot mic topic. Yeah, very good. And I think, and I talk about this with my leadership skills class, I think if sometimes if we could just listen to understand instead of listening to debate or listening right. to counter and and I'm guilt. We're all guilty. I get it. You know, we have our predisposed opinions and beliefs. And by the time you get to be our age, you know, you're sort of they're sort of like locked in. I don't, you know, I, I, unless something's like a new topic, I'm not seeing myself changing where no. I am. No matter what someone may post or what meme they may share or what sort of, but um, but. I need to understand that I'm not, everyone has not lived the same life that I right. have. Um, everyone has not had the same experiences I have. And sometimes it's like I told the kids in leadership, you may not, uh, you know, empathy, you know, using empathy doesn't mean you have to agree with the other right. person, but you understand. And that's the same thing about listening. Being an active listener is that you listen not to counter or not to discredit, but listen to understand. And again, as long as you understand it, you may not agree with right, it. Right, right. And that, and that can be like sort of the first step there in moving along that route. I think that's a great a little excerpt of a speech you gave. And I don't know, you know, I also read this weekend with Bob, Senator Bob Dole's passing. It's sort of like a different time, a different era. You know, pol- politically wise, you may, you know, you may not have agreed with, 
you know, President-elect, you know, President Obama and this sort of thing. But it's, I, I just find that we're in a different era of politics now. Like, yeah. like the, the Bob Dole, Bill Clinton election is almost unrecognizable. Right, right. Um, and it's not that long ago. And I want to, one last thing, just to kind of jump off that point, to listen to understand. I, I find too often, myself included, I'm not, I'm not going to virtue signal here and tell you I'm different. Listen to, people listen often just to wait for that person to finish their point and then so they can make their point, you know, as opposed to listening for understanding. So I, I think that's an excellent point. Yeah, active listening. Yes. If, if everyone could just do it, it's hard. You know, they always say, you know, you don't really, you're never really taught listening in school, right? You're right. taught, you're taught how to write, you're taught how to read, you're taught how to do math and science, you're taught how to, you know, um, give a speech or talk in front of a group, but active, like skills to actively listen is not really like a unit or lesson. I mean, obviously your elementary teachers would say, you know, listen to your teacher, sure. I mean, but like skills, to, you know, you get skills to actually give a speech. You get skills for how to write a paper and write sentences. No one ever really takes time sometimes to give skills to how to actively listen right. and take in information. And it, and it shows, it shows that, you know, and, it, and it's beyond, you know, zoning out, not paying attention. It's, you could still be listening, but not be active listening. Mm-hmm. So um, great hot mic take. And I don't know. And again, we do not share information no. usually so like last week yours was a little more lighthearted and mine was serious and i find that uh, this week um your yours was a little more serious which is fine and mine's lighthearted this just goes to show you so i put together a list i you going through the week and i i told you I, I didn't want to get into the michigan michigan state heisman stuff to me that's crazy it seems to be like some stuff is just fabricated just to get each side angry right i don't feel it's worth the time i don't want to do it so what i here's mine so I don't do you do you have outdoor Christmas lights up at your abode? Sadly no. no. Okay. Not. So I have outdoor Christmas lights up. And I like most people over the years they've come out with these timers, right? That are like solar there's like a solar cell and you can you know, it's not like the old days where you turn a dial and set the clock. Mm-hmm. But it's actually like a solar eye and you can have it on for dusk to dawn, sure. two hours, four hours, six hours, eight hours. So I set mine up and I always and I and this is I'm gonna pose this almost as a question because I don't know what the correct answer is. So I set mine up, it gets dark so early. Here in Michigan, what, like probably like in the five o'clock yeah. hour, right? Like it's dark. So I always, I like, I set mine up initially for four hours and I'm like, okay, well, like, so it kicks on about five o'clock, but sometimes even before that, because the way the shade is and whatever it can be like four and it's, they're on and then they're off by eight 30 mm-hmm. or so. And so the question I, so I'm like, I was sitting in bed over the weekend when I tend to be up a little later and I'm like, man, the Christmas lights already went off and it was only like I'm like, is this going off too early? So then I'm like, I set it for six, six hours. I think I upped it to six hours. And then sure enough, last night I like went to bed like at like 9, 45, 10 o'clock. I woke up like at 10, 40, just tr- and I'm like, the, my window, and there are these LED lights, right? <laughs> and my window still lit up. I'm like, man, are these lights on too long? And then, and I also get up and take walks early in the morning. I'll go walking at 5 a.m. on days where it's not, I went this morning. It wasn't awful. Right. And some people's are on still at 5 a.m. So what is the Ooh. what is the in your mind what is the correct time what should outdoor lights be on should and i and again full confession i am not going out there i'm not saying like okay 10 o'clock i'm gonna go manually do these that is not i'm not getting into that i bought i paid for this little fancy it's not even that fancy i mean they're probably like about 18 dollars. but this solar cell timer i'm using it so i'm using one of these blocks two four six or eight in your mind when should somebody's christmas lights go off in general. Now, I don't know, maybe Christmas night, Christmas to dusk yeah, to dawn, right, right. Christmas Eve, but what, what do you think? Hmm. How about we, 11 o'clock? 11. So, so if you're, if, and again, if they're kicking on in the 4 to 5 hour probably, right? Like yeah. 4.30 to 5.30. So I guess the 6-hour block, right? Yeah, I think you're that's 6 hours. Yeah. The 4 hours is just too short. It's like it looks weird going off at 9, don't yeah. you think? 
Yeah, I mean, you put them up, you you put that effort in. This year's just been a little bit different for me, so I didn't do it. But you put that, I mean, it takes a little bit of effort. It's a, it could be a couple hours in the afternoon, maybe longer for some people. I know some people really go out. So I think you got to take some, show off your work there. So, yeah, at least 11 o'clock. Yeah, I, okay. I, so I think I'll stick with the six hour. I'm not going to be a dust till dawn guy unless it's maybe Christmas Eve and yeah. Christmas Day. Um, I do have a couple of those projectors, too, not that, that, that I just throw, like mine throws like a snowflakes up. I'm going to say this, and no offense to anybody out there. I don't mind those and the ones that throw the shit. I don't get the lasers. Yeah. Uh, the lasers, I, I, to me, it's like it's almost like a concert. I mean, Yeah, I, you're at like a dance club. Yeah, like I don't, I mean, and there's like some, and there's some, like they, they have like eight of these things yeah. out in their yard, and it, but it's all lasers. And it's like, I'm like, I, I mean, believe me, if me as the guy that said, I don't want, I'm trying to make things as easy as possible. I still string lights up, but I use some of those net lights that you just like chuck like you're throwing a fishnet. Um, <laughs> but the lasers to me are puzzling in that I'm like, okay, I, I mean, I get it, but you can, it's, it's just odd. You're right. It's like a, it's like a nightclub look or something like that. Yeah. But, and I don't know, you know, and I think those, when I walk around, those don't, t- some are on, some are on, but, uh, but again, I guess, so six hours, I'd love, we'd love, if you guys yeah. feel differently, if you guys think I'm being Scrooge and cheap by not keeping them on all night, every night, again, some people in the sub do it, it looks nice, I just, I don't know why, I'd, I, first of all, mine are right off my bedroom, so I don't know if I could handle them being on at two, three in the morning with those bright white um, LEDs, so, yeah. That's my uh, hot mic this week. Sorry, it was a little not as uh, serious, maybe that's the way we'll keep going, maybe yeah, we'll just alternate back and right. forth, who knows, so, um so just so everyone knows, we have um, coming up, we have uh, a, w- a couple of weeks off for the holidays. This, is, this episode is going to release on the 10th, Friday. We're going to try to stick with the Friday releases. We will try to record two next week because we're going we're gonna to try, I think, to do one on Friday the 17th to be released and then one on New Year's Eve, the, 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 if my dates are right, um, the way the Fridays yeah. work. Because the 24th is a Friday. We're not going to release one on Christmas Eve. We're not going to. We're not gonna. We don't, we don't want to compete with um, what, what is a Christmas story, right? We, yeah, we don't want to compete with. We don't want to steal Santa's. Yes, yeah, so we don't want to. But we will try to get one out for New Year's Eve. So we'll try to record two next week while we're here, um, and get one out and uh, get have another one backed up and ready to go. So there will be one week off over the holidays as we enjoy some time off with our um, family and friends. Um, also, like we said, um, the Facebook page, visit the Facebook page. We appreciate all the reviews. I went back and looked on um, iTunes, or on iTunes, I'm, I'm sounding, um, on Apple Podcasts, yeah. and ha- love seeing all the five-star reviews. I love seeing the tweets. Um, we got a tweet from the Rendog, um, who has to be one happy Wolverine. I sure Absolutely. know he is. He, um, he's a big supporter. He tweets out like every week. Shout um, out from Quincy. We got one yes, from Quincy. Yes, Quincy, yes. Um, one of our Shot blocker extraordinaire, Carlson. 200-meter dash extraordinaire, oh. too. Um, we don't cuss on this podcast, though, Quincy, so sorry about that. Um, so we appreciate the feedback. We love the feedback. Um, um, keep listening. We're going to keep working on, um, you know, keeping the Facebook page up. I'm, I am, like I said, I know I'm beating a dead horse, but I'm working on the web page, but I don't want to put it out there until it's in, in good condition. Um, we hope you guys all have a great week. Hopefully you get all your holiday shopping in. Hopefully uh, get that all done and get all your, your orders in because who knows how when UPS and FedEx is in. And uh, to all of our teacher friends out there, what do we got? It's, it's, we're recording this on Wednesday, so we got uh, seven, seven more days, days. Seven more mm-hmm. days to go for those of you in Gibraltar, or most of Wayne County, right? Because right. we're on the common schedule. Seven more days to go. You guys can do it. You got this. Um, anything else you'd like to leave everyone with? No. Well done. Well, well said. Well all right. Done. All right, everybody. Have a great week. 